Listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hey, 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 Rockstar SLPs. This is Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. You're listening to the Real Talk SLP podcast talking about that darn R today. Raise your hand if you have one, two, three, 10, 20 students on your caseload working on the R sound. If you do, you should listen to this episode because I'm going to be having Lindsay Hochul on the podcast from the, at the speechy things to talk about her best tips for eliciting that R sound when you have a student and you're, you've been trying everything and nothing's working. She's got a lot of great tips for you today. So let's head on over to that episode. Before we chat with Lindsay, I want to let you know about a free resource that could help you with articulation carryover in particular with the R sound. On my website, I have several blog posts about articulation carryover, but in particular, I I have a free articulation carryover activities guide that will help you have the visuals and some activities to do at the conversational level and ways to work on increasing self-awareness while you're working on the R phoneme. So I will put the link in the show notes, but you can always go to the dabblingspeechy.com and then search articulation carryover to grab that resource to use in therapy. I am super excited for you to hear from Lindsay today. So let's head on over to that episode. All right. Welcome, Lindsay, to the show. I'm glad you're coming on to talk about the R today because I know a lot of school-based and private practice SLPs have trouble with the R. So welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, we are going to be chatting about the R today, that darn R. I don't know about you, but whenever I think about the R, I think of Dwight Schrute from uh, The Office. Muck duck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I forget the exact murderous muck duck or, you know, I just think of that. And I also think about like, you know, waving my hands in the air. Going, why, why? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but yes, we are going to be talking about all things R. And Lindsay knows all about the R and how to get your students to elicit a really great R. So I thought I'd have her on the podcast because I know it's something that we are always trying to get better at. But before we dive into all of those tips and tricks, I would love it if you could share about what's going on with you, about your sweet baby girl, your favorite areas to treat, you know, how many years you've been in the field, anything that suits your fancy, really. Well, I'm Lindsay. I'm an SLP and I'm in Fort Worth, Texas. Been treating for five years. Um at a private clinic where I did my CFY and I just never left <laughs> except for maternity leave. I'm on maternity leave right now. 
Um, and I've been a mommy to Bailey for almost five months and it has rocked my world in so many ways, but she is just so precious and I love her so much. She's super cute. Thank you. I, I, I agree. (laughs) I know. What do you say to that? You're like, yes, she is pretty cute. Obviously. (laughs) I'm so glad you have eyes. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, Favorite areas to treat. I have a big heart for my autistic students and they inspire a lot of my posts and resources. Um, I just really love that population. Those kids that like, you got to earn, you got to earn it with them, you know, but then once you do, you're in and you have this beautiful connection. So, so many times. Um, And R is sort of the specialty I never meant to have, (laughs) (laughs) but I just, I don't like feeling like I'm not doing a good job or I don't know what to do. So I just kind of set out on a mission to figure it out. And so now I, that's what inspires most of my speechy things, posts and resources. The darn art. Yeah. When I was in elementary in the beginning of my career, I had our kids, but I felt like what you're talking about, like, I try the best I can. And then when I had to do middle school, um, all the, our kids come to you in middle school because nobody's helped get those remediated. So then you're sitting there going, okay, we cannot sit here going, okay, Mm -hmm. I I have to figure this out too, because they've, these kids have been in speech, some of them since kindergarten and, and they're tired of being with the speech therapist. And so I, yeah, I remember when I went to middle school going, okay, I got to figure out some better strategies and tricks because this just isn't working. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad to hear you say that because that means you're not one of the SLPs that gives up on them. Because I know it's too, it's too easy to be like, well, they're, what are, you know, just like twiddle your thumbs. You got to dig deep sometimes. Yeah. And so when I was in the middle school and and came back to elementary, I realized that we really need to get this remediated earlier because kids in middle school uh, don't always, they've lost the motivation. And so if we can remediate this at a younger age, all will be well in the world. Absolutely. Yes. So, all right. So all of my guests have to share a song or song lyric about the topic that we're talking about. And we're talking about treating R. And I was going to ask you just to share a song, but you, you're you like the song lyric creating speech pathologist. And you even have a, you have a song called, I think it's called The Nice Speech Lady. Right? <laughs> it is. Okay. I Yes, I am a, I'm a lyricist. Uh, <laughs> oh man, that's a funny, funny joke. Yeah, I have this embarrassing tradition that I I feel like I just can't stop. Every time I hit a new 10,000 followers on Instagram, so I'm at, I've hit three now, I'm at 30 something thousand. (laughs) I write, I rewrite lyrics to a song. And this most recent one was Ice Ice Baby. Yeah, I'm totally at eight. I think that was in the night. I don't know if it was in the 90s. Actually, I think it was 1990. Okay. Like early, early 90s. Yeah. Cause that, yeah, that was my, that was my childhood era. So I yeah. can relate to it, but you say <laughs> you wrote it about R. I did. <laughs> so I will link in the show notes to the actual video so you can go watch it anytime you're getting frustrated with the R and get a little giggle, but maybe you could share some of your lyrics, maybe rap a little bit or. 
Oh man. Okay. Well, I got it. Like, can you drop a beat? I know. I'm going. <laughs> I know. Okay. 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 I got it. I got it. Okay. To the extreme, I rock the R with the fire. Cue up a kid and pump him up like a tire. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, I don't have enough brain energy right now to come up with these cool lyrics, but the song turned out really awesome. And Thank you. you know what? I'm. Have you used it with any of your kids? Oh no, <laughs> I. It would have to be the right kid. <laughs> I feel like so they don't just roll their eyes and like, oh, this lady. No, I can't handle her. But yes, yes. So yes, she has a whole song about how we treat the R sound, and <laughs> it's not always the funnest thing to do. But I do get enjoyment when I can get a student to say the R for the first time. So that part is pretty cool. And I think that leads into a really good question. So what do you do when you have a kid who is not stimulable for R? Well, how do you approach it? What do you do first? Okay. First, you stay calm. <laughs> Don't panic. It's going to be okay. Everybody, it's going to be okay. So the very first thing I like to do is check, can they hear it? And can they hear it in me whenever I say an R word correctly or not? If they can't hear it in me, then that's where you start, just with some awareness. And then moving on to whether or not they can hear the error in themselves. Because if you have a kid who's living in denial, or really who has a phonological disorder, <laughs> then really you got to start there. Because I find that I've treated a lot of R kids, and I think there's maybe been one who is truly an Arctic only kid that once this person got the R, they graduated so quickly after that. All my other kids, like I'm sure you guys can relate, they stick around for a while because you still have to work on that awareness and the phonological aspect. So that's my advice. If they're not stimulable, make sure you're not missing the very, very basic foundational phonology. And then do you tend to approach it from more of a traditional articulation approach and go up that higher ladder? Or do you check out, okay, where they're, if they're not hearing it, maybe implementing some minimal pairs approach, not completely, but maybe in the beginning or auditory bombardment and awareness. Like how do you differentiate the approaches for students? I would do a little bit of both. If there is a phonological processing disorder happening if they're gliding. You can try to listen an R all day long, but you're missing a huge piece of the puzzle. So I don't know. I'm nervous now that this is an EBP, but I would attack it from both angles because I feel like elicitation takes so long. I kind of just want to at least try it every session to see if something works. Because if, I mean, kids just get so beat down because they know that they're not quite getting it yet, you know? So anyway, that's my, okay. I would do both. <laughs> I would throw in some minimal pairs and work the Arctic angle too. I agree. I would probably, like you said, check, can they hear it? Do you ever check to see if they could say the R in certain contexts? Cause as we know, there's like 20, I think there's 27 different variations of ways to say R. So oh, yeah. do you ever even go mm -hmm. there and do probing before you and then they're not stimulable. So you, you probe, you know, they're not stimulable. Yeah, absolutely. I know entire world of R. I've actually, I know a lot of people love that program. I've, I've not had that much success 
with that screener personally. Um, but for sure, every kid, I mean, you can't, you don't just start at initial R with every kid. I mean, I find a lot of kids do well with um, our blends first. Yeah, I've used the entire world of R and a lot of times I would go, okay, well, they can't say it in any context. Yep. <laughs> That's been my experience. <laughs> and now what do I do? That's where I think knowing that, okay, you start, you go all the way back to the beginning and really start building a foundation for auditory discrimination um, and looking to see if they can hear the difference. And that would even go back to like doing phonological awareness. You could even incorporate some of that. And then do you move to trying to elicit the R by giving them strategies in therapy? Yes. And I have a few favorites that I'd love to share. <laughs> yes. I'd like to hear them. So what are your most successful strategies? I think that's what we all want. We're like, what do we need to do? We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the pep talk. What do I do? <laughs> okay. So... I find that it's too easy for us to get in a rut with only wanting to target bunched or only wanting to target retroflex, probably whichever is your natural R, right? Um, I was terrified of retroflex R for a long time when I was a newer therapist. And so I would only target bunched. But then once I started branching out and getting out of my comfort zone, I found so many students were way more successful with retroflex. So that is tip number one try both and you might be surprised at how much more successful they are with one or the other so why were you afraid of not doing retro retroflex r or teaching retroflex r i think it was just because that wasn't my natural r so i didn't feel confident that i was going to cue correctly and it just i think it was just a confidence thing i hadn't done it i felt like i was going to mess them up. Totally. I remember I had a master, well, I don't know if she was my master clinician, but she was a veteran SLP that was saying that bunched is better for carryover. And so she was always saying I should teach bunched because, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that's early in my career. I was told that. So I always stuck with, oh, bunched is better, mm -hmm. but I think trying both because every kid right. is different. Their oral motor abilities, their anatomy, everything, you know, how, what, how they see and feel their tongue is different than us. And that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I, like, I see the point she's making, but I've found that because it, it does, whenever you're working on, speed, fluency, and getting it to sound more natural, the retroflex R can kind of get clunky in some words, but I find that a lot of kids naturally switch to bunched in conversation as they start to master the sound. So I would say not to get too worried about that part of it. You know, I mean, like, yes, maybe it will make generalization a little bit tricky, but I think rather than being in speech children in middle school, that, you know, I think that's a, I think retroflex might be an appropriate alternative. Totally. So the first strategy is to try both bunch and retroflex. And so what are the other two successful strategies that you found for eliciting an R? One of my other favorites is to use, um, I actually, I, 
I'll keep popsicle sticks in my therapy room and tape a couple of them together, maybe like, I don't know, four or five, depends on the kid. And I kind of use it like a card jack. <laughs> we stick it between their molars. And what it does is it just takes the jaw out of the equation. So all they have to think about is their tongue. And it like props open their mouth a little bit so that they can see it using maybe a mirror and a flashlight. And it helps them really focus on what their tongue is doing and being able to see it. And I find oftentimes they had no idea <laughs> what they were really doing until we use that trick. Oh, okay. I see how you're, okay. So you're stacking them yeah, on top of each other to make, it's almost like yes. when you go to the dentist. Just to make it wider. And they have to take the yep. cavity pictures or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just, just prop that mouth open. Just do, yeah. I just do um, one little stack, put it on the side, on one side. That's all you really need. I hope that makes sense the way I'm describing it. Yeah, it does. It's basically, she's showing me a picture of her popsicle stick. So it's, do you only use the thick ones? She has thick ones. No, this is just what I have okay. at my house, but I, I, the thin ones are way better. This is pretty huge. Yes. <laughs> and so then she stacks them on top of each other. So they're like a thicker popsicle stick. So yeah. it keeps the jaw stabilized, but it keeps the mouth open enough. Cause when you make your R, you know, my mouth isn't completely shut. Yeah. So yes, that totally makes sense. I love it. And then what's the last successful strategy that you recommend trying? Okay. So this is my favorite. This is like from my, my baby teaching R, my resource teaching R. It's for Retroflex. But something I have had a ton of success with is breaking down AR into three steps. Basically open your mouth, say ah, curl your tongue, close your jaw a little bit those three. And many, many, many of my students for whatever magical, beautiful reason can say AR with that trick. And from there, in, I, I can kind of, I mean, if I can get one variation of R, I can use that to get all the rest, but I just need the one. And anyway, so that has worked really well. And that's what I outline in teaching R. Cool. Yes. Lindsay has a whole uh, curriculum for teaching R on her inner teachers pay teachers store. And so it's, I think it's just a step-by-step, don't you just have step-by-step videos and, and tools just to help with the therapist to facilitate with the child, some of these strategies or. Yes, I have. Um, I, yeah, I've got all kinds of things. There's no videos in teaching R, but I do have some YouTube videos and I have other resources that have videos. Um, but this particular three-step one, I have a blog post. I'll make sure that I give you the link for if anyone wants to see it. Uh, yeah. So it's is it it's a blog post for teaching Retroflex R, and it's the three steps to get the R. And so once you've elicited the AR, the vocalic R, I'm sure you do lots of trials and get that stabilized and do syllable practice and all that fun stuff. Yes. So fun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So for SLPs who are feeling discouraged with treating R and they either just don't like it or they're in a rough patch with a student or a client, what advice or encouragement can you give them? I would remind them there is never just one way. Every kid is different. Every therapist is going to do something differently. 
So try not to get too discouraged and don't be afraid to circle back around to tricks and techniques that you've tried before because you just never know um, what will work or when it will work. And also just to encourage and empower you and remind you that you are a therapist. And if this was easy for the kid, they wouldn't be in your therapy room. And part of what makes us skilled service providers is that we are problem solvers, we are creative, and it's our job to work things from every angle until we get the results that we need for our clients, students, patients. Just try to stay positive and not to give up. And then if you need help, come find me on Instagram because I talk about this stuff all the time. She does. Yes. You can find her at Speechy Things. And she does give lots of tips for the R. And why don't you share a little bit about some of your R resources and, and how you use those in therapy to keep your students engaged while they're practicing and help with therapy? I don't have that many resources that are just meant to be activities. Basically, all of them have come from me having a problem I needed to solve. And I needed a new strategy or technique to use with a student. So they're all based on visual cues, tactile cues, verbal cues. I don't have any just like crossword puzzles or I don't know. like right. Oh, so it's more of a teaching manual yeah. for the clinician. So if they're hitting a roadblock, they're like, hey, try this strategy. Yes. More often than not. I have some that are like a little, like not that they, I try to make them fun, but usually they're to solve a problem. So like I have a series of boom decks that have video models of the Arctic words because, you know, in the age of masks and social distancing, that was so hard to have kids see what you're doing with your mouth when you say certain things. My resource teaching R is sort of like an R program to be usefully used as it suits you and your student. But it's just a way that I've found many students are successful. And it just kind of takes you step by step through eliciting every form of R. I have eliciting R, which is another boom deck <laughs> that gives you like every single strategy I could think of to elicit the R sound. And it has some video models there too. One of my favorites personally is my R puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> and so I feel like everyone can relate to this. You have a student. They finally get their arc in one context or another. And then you switch to a different context and they're like, huh? What? <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> yes. I'm supposed to be using my R? Oh. And so with these R puzzles, I like, it, it gives them a visual and something to hold on to, to physically show them that, okay, we can move our R from this word to this word to this word. And it stays the same. And it still surprises me how many kids it like blows their mind. Like, oh, it's the same sound in every word. Like, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> but that's kind of like, that's a rundown of my favorite. Yeah. Well, and I think the biggest area for treating R sometimes is like the teaching guidance component that, yes, we have reinforcers. We have all those types of things in our back pockets because we've been doing it with lots of different sounds. And But it's the actual like, okay, we need to do the direct instruction. And then when they don't get it, we're going, what the heck are we supposed to do next? So having a toolkit of strategies is really nice to have on hand so that in the moment you can go and say, okay, let's go try this thing. 
okay, let's try this thing. Cause yeah, it's nothing worse than when you have a five minute, you're five minutes into your session and you're like, nothing's working and I have nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) Here, your turn again. Yeah. Maybe we should pull out that word puzzle. (laughs) Well, I go research. Hey, I'm not going to do a quick Google. Yeah. (laughs) That's so funny. And not I'm not knocking word puzzles or, you know, don't get me wrong, but like they're already out there and they're done well. So I'm not trying to redo those. Oh, no, no, but no. Well, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like put, here's a worksheet. I'm hitting yeah. a roadblock here. Um, <laughs> just give me two minutes. Google, text my friend. <laughs> what was Lindsay's what blog post again on that? Okay. Or maybe I just go quickly and purchase something on Teachers Pay Teachers. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Like, oh dear. Um, yes. So that's awesome. So yes, if you're interested in having a toolkit for eliciting the R, Lindsay's got you covered. She's got several blog posts about um, teaching the R sound and resources. So if you have some students on your caseload and you're just, you're tired of hitting walls with them, I would go check those out and try some of the strategies that she shared in this podcast episode, because I bet you they're going to work. Just saying. I hope so. Yeah. And if not, you know. We try again. Yeah, we try again. I love that advice that, you know, even though we've tried something and it didn't work, always trying to go back again or revisiting it could work because you never, you know, it happens when we're learning something. Sometimes it doesn't stick the first time. Um, have you ever had a student where they haven't elicited the R for several sessions and they're starting to get frustrated? How do you encourage them to stay the course? Absolutely. <laughs> There's plenty of students who don't get it in the first few sessions. I, I like approaching it from a growth mindset standpoint, which is something I learned from Kristen Bowers, Kiwi Speech. Love her growth mindset stuff. Because so many of these kids are really hard on themselves. So just reminding them that it is hard. It's okay that it's hard. There are adults who can't say there are sound and I'm here to help and it's, it's okay for it to be hard giving them a little bit of a break, not always just going for elicitation, elicitation, going back to some of those more like foundational, phonological awareness, mental pairs, like, you know, know, something where they can feel a little bit more success. I think that's a good strategy. Letting them be the therapist and correct you is always a good trick. And they're still working on important skills and, you know, awareness and all of that. Um, So I would say those are my top recommendations. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I always like to remind them like, hey, we're all doing hard things and this is your hard thing. And circling back to your why, like why do you want to get better with your speech? What's important Mm -hmm. to you? Absolutely. And I had a girl who was in theater, so we talked a lot about like you want to be able to talk, feel confident when you're speaking your lines. And so that really helped keep her motivated. Um, And we had pep talks every week and until we got that R and it, it helped a lot because then we built our relationship too. I love that. Getting that buy-in is so important. I know. I know. The buy-in is a big piece. Like, just trust me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, well, anyways, thanks, Lindsay, for sharing your three successful strategies for eliciting the R and just giving us a pep talk about treating R. Why don't you let everyone know where they can find you? And yeah. I'm speechy things everywhere. There is a Facebook page. I'm not there very often. I need to work on that, but I'm definitely around on Instagram. Um, and you can find my website, speechythings.com. And I would just, yeah, I'd love to, to have you. Yeah. She's always open to, I'm sure you could DM her and she'd respond with, to your question. Absolutely. I get real chatty. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again, Lindsay, for coming on the podcast. As always, Rockstar SLPs, be the SLP that every kid wants to see. Stay inspired with treating that R and I will see you all next week.